As you are there standing, I'm going to ask that you open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. The book of Luke, chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Hallelujah. The book of Luke, chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. You can take the middle room and use the, the uh, uh, hallelujah. The book of Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. When we have it up on the projector, I'll begin. Praise God, we got it. Okay, follow along with me, hallelujah. The book of Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 11 says, Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. For those of you who don't know what the word withered means, it means it was shrunken. His hand was shrunken. Hallelujah. So the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely, whether he, had, he would heal them on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Jesus, you know, this man arose and stood. Then Jesus said to him, he said, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? Verse 10 says, and when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Hallelujah. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. You may have your seats giving glory to God. Hallelujah. I've entitled my message today, Hardened Hearts in Focus. I want you to think just for a moment, Hardened Hearts in Focus. All right, so here's the background. A Jewish assembly or a congregation like ourselves would be happening. We would be in what we call a synagogue. And, and as I am the pastor of this church, I would be known as the teacher. So when you see the New Testament referred to teacher, it is someone who brings forth the word and is, and is teaching somebody something of the word of God. The synagogue represents the place we're all together today. So everybody with me? All right, so just want to get that out. Now, the scribes and Pharisees were there as well. So for those of you who don't remember my preaching many, many, many months ago, um, the Pharisees were, were people who, obs who obser um, observed strict religious observance and, and standards. In other words, these were the guys that said, hey, if the law said to do this, I'm not going to do that. If the, uh, I'm not going to do it. If it says to do it, I'm going to do it. If it says not to do it, I'm not going to do it. I'm a religious person. I, I live my whole life according to the tradition that was left to me. I'm a, I'm a very educated person. This is, this is the Pharisees, okay? And, and, and they, um, they are known for obser observing the strict traditions of the old law, and they were also known for being hypocrites and self righteous people. Does sound any sound familiar? Right? You hear people tell us 
Christians are hypocrites, right? <laughs> Why? Because sometimes some of us um, out there in the body of Christ seem to portray something that we're not. And we or there's some people that are just way too much into, well, the old law said this and the old law said that. So I'm not going to touch anything unclean. And, uh, and it just becomes all about them. Okay, and they felt, the Pharisees, just to give you some background real quick, the Pharisees felt that they were the ones above the people. They felt they were above the people because they were educated. They had, um, you know, they knew the law. They studied it every day. You know, those are the people that you would see nowadays and say, well, I fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, so I'm holier than you. Okay, or, hey, I read the Bible every single day, so uh, I'm better than you. Those are the, that's the religious spirit. That's that Pharisee spirit. But we find that, you know, they are watching Jesus, and they're, they're, they're in the synagogue with them in this place. If you can imagine, they're all sitting in the back somewhere over there, and they're kind of just waiting for Jesus to do something so that they can say, hey, he did something. Let's accuse him. Let's get him. We want to kill him, and we want to we uh, persecute him. So they're, they're, they're not there for the right reasons, first and foremost, okay? And let me just share with you. When you come to church, come to church for the right reasons. Come to church to receive something from God. Don't just come to church. It's going to mess up on the song. I wonder if pastor's going to, you know, get loud or he's going to go soft or, uh, you know, come for the right reasons. It's important to understand that because the Pharisees, that day they weren't there for the right reasons. They were in the church, but they were not actually in church. Hallelujah. They were there because they wanted to see Jesus make a mistake so they could go back to their law people and say, he did this. Let's prosecute him. All right. So in the midst of all that that's happening, there is a man who has a withered hand. His hand is shrunken. It's not the same length anymore. It's smaller. I, I, I can imagine, if, you know, you, I've seen some people in my lifetime where their hands are shorter. You know, they have short hands. I can imagine that was the case with this man. It wasn't as long as the other one. It was like halfway, perhaps. But the problem is, is that he did have a condition, and he had a shrunk, shrunken hand. And here comes Jesus. Oh, Jesus is in the synagogue teaching. And the Sabbath day is known as a day that's holy to the people, the Pharisees, the people. Sabbath was like, hey, dude, you can't do any work on the Sabbath day. If we observe the Sabbath day today in our life, we would not be working on Sundays, which some of us don't, right? But there's other people that do. But that we would have to uphold the law and say, hey, on the Sabbath, you can't go work outside on your yard. You can't do anything. It's for you to completely rest. That's how it was back in the old days. So Jesus comes around and he's been performing miracles on this day that everybody said he shouldn't be performing miracles. He, he, he's there, he's performing a, a, you know, a, a shrunken hand one and he made someone else be able to get a miracle that come in the sight, I think it was in the sight, restoring their sight. But here we see that Jesus comes into the synagogue and he's teaching and then he says something to them that's super important. And uh, Brother Andrew, can you, or First Lady, can you put up there Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19? I want to show you what he says. Because up until this point, it's been wrong for someone to do something on the Sabbath, Brother Lorenzo. And the Pharisees are like, how dare you? How dare you who claim to be God come on the Sabbath day and do a miracle for this man? How dare you? The Sabbath day is a free day. This is their mindset. But this is what the Lord says. The book of Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. And I'm going to start it because I think, there it is. The, Lord, the word comes around the Lord and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
What does he do? He says right away, the spirit of God is with me. Okay, because he has anointed me, he says, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Does it say anything about being people being extremely happy? Did he come to save the happy, happy people, the religious people that had it all together, the ones that are living up there fasting every single day of their life, and they think they're holier than anybody? Does it say anything about that? It said what? He came to preach the gospel to the to who? To the poor, not the rich. And then it says, he has sent me to the brokenhearted, the people who are broken. Then he says, to proclaim liberty to the captives. The captives are people that are caught up in the enemy's distractions, that are caught up in the enemy's plans. The captives are people that don't live freely in Jesus Christ. And then he says, and recovery to, of sight to the blind, to give sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oppressed by what, Pastor? Oppressed by spirits. Oppressed by, you know, influences. Oppressed by thoughts. To proclaim the... Jesus comes down on earth just like he has come down in your life today. And he's not coming for a perfect, a perfect temple. We didn't he doesn't, he doesn't go to the places where all the Pharisees lived that were, had it all together. He doesn't go to them. He goes to those who are lost. Does that make sense? He goes to those that, that need something from Jesus. Because someone who has everything in their mind, they don't need anything. So they think. Right? But the Pharisees, check this out. The Pharisees declare... That, uh, you know, Jesus declares in, in Luke 6, 5, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus pretty much comes in like a boss and says, look, I'm in charge of the Sabbath, okay? I'm the one that created the Sabbath. So if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do whatever I want on this day that I have made. Why? Because I am the Lord that I got. I've made this day. Well, that bothered the Pharisees. Because Jesus is declaring that he is the original God. He is the original that was in heaven and he is now on earth just like he is doing it today. Hallelujah. What I want to get the point across to you very early is this. You don't have to understand God's ways sometimes to know that he is working. Hallelujah. You see, God is coming to those who are looking for Jesus. When you go looking for Christ and you're asking God, God, I need a miracle in my life. God, I need healing in my life. God, there is somebody that is sick. God, there is somebody that is struggling with something. You, you know, they come. you come to Jesus, and Jesus is never too busy to listen to his children. Hallelujah. He's never too busy. He never has a day off to say, oh, no, we're going to rest on this day, so I'm not going to do any miracles. But the Pharisees, they were focused on the law. No, it's tradition. It's not the way Jesus moves. I know Jesus, how he moves. I've seen him move, and he's using somebody that I would not approve of, and they're being used by God. Guess what? That's not Jesus. Why? Because he doesn't fit in our box. You see, because sometimes we want miracles. We want healing. We want God to do things in our life, but we want it to do it the way we want to do it. God, one day you'll bless me, and the way you'll bless me was, is with a bigger truck. And God, make it a big truck with four-wheel drive, with big old wheels, with all kinds of different things. God, give me that. Right? Sound familiar? Have you asked God for something? Have you ever asked God for something that you have been seeking and you, you wanted so bad that you almost forced God's hand in it? 
You want it so bad that you don't care how you get it as long as you get it. But here's the thing about the Pharisees. The word of God says that they were focused on trying to trap him. They were focused on the wrong thing. Instead of realizing that somebody before them was about to receive a miracle, they were worried about what day it was. So let me, turn, let me just switch it around for you. What is it that you focus on? When God is willing to do something in your life, are you able to see, are you able to focus on what God is doing? Or are you focusing on the wrong things? Because if you're like the Pharisees, your focus is completely not on Jesus and it is on everything else. It is on everything about the day so that you can't do this, so you can't do that. But let me tell you about a man who had a shrunken hand that said, look, I don't care what day it is. I know that Jesus, you have what I need. You can only give. I yield to you right now. I'm going to come into this place and I'm going to look for my miracle that you can only give. Where is your heart today? Is your heart and your focus in the right place? Because you've been wanting Jesus to move, hallelujah. You've been asking him to move in your life. They would say, why does God allow this to happen to us? Because you're worried about the wrong thing. Because let me just share with you something. When your focus isn't on the right thing, which is Jesus, just like the Pharisees, you become distracted. Okay, when you become distracted, it breeds complacency, which means when you're complacent, you're just comfortable. You're like, I'm a comfortable Christian, Pastor. Is there such thing as a comfortable Christian? Or they're out there. I'm going to go to church every Sunday, look sharp, do my thing, even though I partied it up at the club on Saturday. But I'm going to come to church. (laughs) I'm going to come to church because I'm going to... Make it look like I'm that part. Distraction breeds complacency. You get comfortable. And then you begin to miss things that are before you. God's sending you blessings and you're missing them. And you're not seeing it. And you're like, where are you, God? Why aren't you here, God? Why haven't you been speaking to me, God? Why don't you use me anymore, God? I don't see you. It's because your focus is on the wrong thing. God has promises for each and every one of us. And everybody has already, you have something in you that God says, one day I'm going to use. I'm going to use either a testimony, I'm going to use a gift that I've given you, but I'm going to use you. Brother Lorenzo, but if we're not ready, if if our eyes aren't on Jesus, we'll miss it. And then guess what happens? We don't lose it, but it goes past And then God has to bring it back around another time. So we spend about six months doing absolutely nothing because the whole time we've been chasing the wrong false God. You haven't spent time with them because the devil has kept you really distracted just like he distracted the Pharisees. So you don't understand his ways. I've heard people say, I don't know what God feels. I don't know what it feels like to to feel the Lord. I think they haven't spent time with them. And if they have, they've been focused on the wrong. Let's start a prayer. God, I need, I think, God, I feel, Jesus, please help me, right? Give me, give me, give me, give me. <laughs> I think some of us are in debt. If we have a credit card, Jesus' credit card, we're in debt to that already, okay? We owe like a billion dollars. Because all we ever ask is borrow, 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 borrow. Let me have, let me have, let me have, let me have, let me need. I need, I need, I need, because our focus is on everything else but God. But when you know that Jesus 
No matter what he is, how he moves, what he thinks, what the way he does it, if you know that you are sent, that God is the one that has your miracle, nothing will stop you from doing what he needs to do in your life. Amen? So, okay, so here's where I'm going with this. You become a Pharisee. You get distracted with the law rather than the work of God being carried out. You're so worried about everything else that you don't worry about what God's plan is for you. Doesn't that sound familiar? We get so tied up in life that we forget that God says, hey, did you forget one of these days I need to use you? Yes, God. So when are you going to surrender to me? (laughs) When are you going to give yourself to me fully to my word? When are you going to surrender to me? I can take your life, give it meaning, and go and bless someone else with it. And then guess what? If you lose focus, you get so worried about you and yourself that you forget about others. Why am I preaching about this? Hardened hearts in focus. Because I believe God wants... The body of Christ, hallelujah. I believe he wants us to realize one thing, that we have to be open. Our hearts have to be moldable. We have to be able to receive, hallelujah, what the Lord has for us. So here's another thing about the Pharisees. Stay with me. The Pharisees, the Lord asked, the Lord Jesus then asked the Pharisees a question. He asked them around, he goes, he means, is it right? Is it, are, are, would you approve, is another way to put it, to do the right thing on the Sabbath day or to do evil and not do the right thing? To save a life or not to save a life, is it right? He's asking the, the Pharisees to answer the question, saying, do you believe that if I am to, if there is a person that needs a healing right now in this moment, do you believe that you could step aside from the way you normally believe God works and let him work in the miraculous? And let God work in the extraordinary. Do you believe, in other words, what we're trying to say today is do you believe that Jesus can do things in your life that he's never done before? Because the answer to that should be yes. you got to believe that God can do the impossible. Hallelujah. We're seeing a baby right now in the womb of a, of a sister right here that, that maybe the world thought would be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I said with God, all things are possible. You must know that Jesus is asking these Pharisees, wouldn't it be better to do the right thing than to worry about a tradition? You know how many answered him? Zero. They couldn't answer the question because if they said, no, you got to uphold the law, then they're wrong. They did evil. If they say yes, then they look bad before the people. Then they're accused of not obeying the law. I love Jesus. He always handled people with like just so perfect, you know, like left. They couldn't get back. There was no comeback to Jesus. And then the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 5, I'll read it to you real quick, says this. Same situation, same uh, story. And when he looked around them at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The key words of that is the hardness of their hearts. You want God to move in your heart, but yet you don't surrender it to him. You want God to do miracles in your life, but yet you still have 
You want God to forgive you and to be merciful on you, but we can't forgive others. You hold on to something that's deep inside because somebody one time offended you. Somebody one time did this. Somebody one time did that. And you hold on to it and you say, I've dealt with it. But it's still inside of you. It's an ugly old root that's in there and it's, and it's forming weeds. And you, your heart becomes hard. And you expect God to use you. If the Pharisees only would have softened their heart, if they only would have just said, have compassion for this man, he needs a healing, they would have been right before the eyes of God. But sometimes we don't see miracles, we don't see God's miracles and his works in our lives because our heart is so hard. We want, let's be real, we want the full blessings of God. But we don't want to compromise. We want the full blessings of God, but we don't want to put our lives in his hands and trust him. He gets upset at these Pharisees and these scribes because they had a hard heart. In order for God to move in your heart, it has to yield surrender. You have to have a flag that says, white flag that says surrender. If you don't, God can't do anything with it. So not only did the Pharisees not have the right focus, they weren't focusing on Jesus and what he's doing. Second thing is, they had a hard, a hard heart, a hardened heart. How many times have you been betrayed in your heart? Exactly. All at one time, we have all felt heartbreak. We've all felt betrayal. We've all felt that our heart misled us. Right? Because the only thing we can do is, the only reason, our, the only way our heart works is when we're in Christ. That's when it's fully perfected. You don't want to surrender to God, so you don't receive the fullness of God. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage somebody. I want you to leave today saying, God, examine my heart. God, examine my motives that when I ask for a miracle, when I ask for prayer, when I ask for you to do something inside of me, hallelujah. Sister Kiana, can you take Brother Josiah? When, when, we, when I ask for something to be, to be done in my life, that I bring the right heart. That I bring the right mentality, that I bring the right spirit, that I am open to your ways, that I am open to his word, that I begin to understand that if my heart isn't in the right place, nothing will happen in the spiritual realm from the things of God. You cannot have a hard heart and serve God, Brother Lorenzo. It doesn't work. It's like saying, I love people, but my heart is so hard, I'm cold. You can't be like that. You have to let God mold your heart. You have to allow God to say, God, examine my heart. Where is their heartbreak? Where, have, where has people left scars that I have let into my life? God, how do you heal those scars? Let them be healed now, God. Work in me a new heart. Give me something new, God. Replace whatever needs to be, all that junk. Get it out, God. But the worst thing you can do is harden your heart, which means I'm good. Yeah, I know God works in my life. I know. I know. I'm just not ready yet to surrender to him. Yeah, I, I, I know that. I'm a Christian. I've been in church for like 50 years, but I just don't feel like 
I mean, I'm good. I'm comfortable. I don't feel like God is going to do anything else with me. I'm just chill, you know. I want to just coast it on cruise control. There is someone out there that needs to hear. Someone out there needs to say, hey, man, it's been a rough week. Let me tell you what I went through this week. But let me tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to going into a synagogue type place, to worshiping with my brothers and sisters, and to give them all the honor and glory. Hallelujah. And if I don't make it to church, I'm going to get down in my room and I'm going to get on my knees and say, God, search my heart, search my motives, strengthen me, give me whatever you need, because I don't want to have a heart in heart. I don't want to come to the altar here and be like, don't touch me, God. I don't want to be touched. I've tried it before. It doesn't work. So you have to focus in the wrong place. Jeremiah 17.10 says this. He says, I, the Lord, search the heart. So what does the Lord do? He says, I test the mind. What does he do? Even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Have you ever heard that saying, whatsoever you shall reap? You shall sow. Whatever you shall sow, you shall reap. You've heard that, right? You know who said that? <laughs> the Bible said that. It was, it was a trick question. The Bible said that whatsoever a man shall sow, whatever you sow, you will reap. Some of us have been on the opposite end of the reaping. We haven't been reaping too well, hallelujah. You know, it's been a rough patch, a rough harvest, hallelujah. But let me tell you today that there is a God that can restore your life, that can do something, can take whatever was not good and, and whatever was a mess up and whatever was a failure. He'll take your life, he'll put it into a new perspective, and you'll remember it, but you'll say, that's where I used to be. This is where I am now, hallelujah. Tomorrow is where God will take me to be, hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause for that. I believe God wants you to have a heart that searches God, that seeks God, because at the end of it all, God is going to look at your heart and say, what type of heart does Sister Shelby have? What type of heart does First Lady Erica have? What type of heart? Does she really mean that she loves people, or does she just say it to sound good like a Pharisee? Has she really forgiven somebody? Or has he really forgiven somebody that's hurt them? Has he? Or, or is he just playing church? Comes to church, I'm praise God, hallelujah, great, I'm great. Oh, I hate those people over there. I can't stand them. Because the come on now. Because the Lord examines the ways of your heart. You can't do it on your own. That's the problem. People who lose focus. Like these Pharisees, they wanted to do it all on their own. They wanted to look good on their own. They wanted to look like, yeah, we're upholding the law. We're the law of the land. We're the police officers, brother. We enforce the law. And we're the ones that follow it to the, all the way to the W. God doesn't care about how, how close you follow an old tradition or an old law. What he looks at is your heart. You come to church, come with the right heart. Hallelujah. It's not so much that you're in church. It's, it's all about what's in your heart. Hallelujah. How are you coming to church? Are you coming hungry for church? Are you coming hungry for God? Are you coming hungry to see him work something in your life? Because if you're not, you have a heart in heart. You have the wrong focus, Pharisees. We want God to move in our lives, but we're too focused on our own personal interests rather than God's. We, we want God to move in our lives, but yet we're so selfish. Can I get an amen to that? It starts right here with me. 
We're too busy. God, don't expect me to give you time. Are you crazy? I got a lot of things I got to do. But God, can you make sure that my check goes through? Can you pay my blessings? Can you pay my mercy? Can you make sure that my, my um, you know, that my uh, miracles are still being processed by the processing department? Can you give me some time? God, I, I, I don't have time. I, I got to be real, okay? I got, I got a lot of things going on. We want God to move in our lives and allow miracles in our lives. I hope you're understanding why I laid it hard in Because the answer to a hardened heart is to surrender your heart. That means today when you come, you come to the front, you give something to God that you've never given to him before. And you say, God, I want to surrender. I just want to surrender, God. I want to surrender to you. I want you to look at my heart. I want you to examine it so that when I go outside, Brother Lorenzo, I can go to somebody and honestly say, you know, I really appreciate you and I love you. And it's natural. This is for the church. This next portion. The devil has done a good job at distracting the church. Hallelujah. We claim to have a burden for the lost. But yet we do nothing with it. We have a, we have a fire that has has everything ready to go in our spirit, but we haven't lit it up. We say we know the Lord. We say we want to preach the gospel. What was the gospel? Preach the gospel to the who? To the poor. To do what? Heal the brokenhearted. Why? To proclaim liberty. To set, captives, to set the captives free. To allow miracles of the sight to the blind to be given. And to set liberty those who are oppressed. Here's a reality check. When have you done that this week? This is what I'm talking about. As a church, as a body, we have to move forward. Somebody out there needs to start hearing that, hey, there is a God that lives inside of me that changed my life. Don't think that I was perfect. If you only knew my history, you want my rap sheet? I'll give it to you one day. You want to see what I've been through? I'll show it to you. But so that you can be encouraged. If you haven't noticed, <clears throat> I've been preaching a lot about the end times, about, you know, God is coming soon. And I'm not changing. Now we're in a war. And this war is between the devil in between and good, good and evil, the devil and the Lord. And in between people, the people that don't know the Lord are in between. Our job as Christians, as men and women of God, is to speak to these people and say, there's a hope for you. If you're not speaking to people throughout your week about God, you're missing it. Because sometimes we get so caught up in our lives that we've forgotten our purpose as well. And the purpose of the church is really to be a testimony to the great things our God are doing. Don't just get your blessing. Don't just hold on to your blessing and say, you know, hey, God did this for me and I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to keep quiet. Share it with somebody. So do you have a hardened heart? Is your focus on the right thing? You notice today's message was a little bit different. I wanted to speak to you from a rel relative perspective, which means something that you can relate to. 
Because there's going to come a day before the Lord comes, because he's coming soon. But there's going to come a day when your life will have to be a testimony. There's going to come a day where in your life, guess who's going to come in? The man with the shrunken hand is going to be in, your, in there. And God wants to use you to, through, to do something through him. But if your heart is not going to allow it, if your focus isn't on Jesus, if it isn't on a surrendering heart, you're going to miss it. Let us all stand. The reason why I believe the Lord is speaking to the heart of the people today, speaking to your heart, is because there is something that he wants to do with it. Did you know that he is the ultimate surgeon? He does, he can do reconstructive surgery on a heart in seconds and it'd be so perfect. If there's anybody that knows the Lord, that knows who its creator is, it's your heart. We have to be better examples, soft and not hardened. We can't harden our hearts when God wants to do something because in the midst of everything, if we do that, we'll miss the miracle that's being done. Sometimes God will move in your life and you won't even realize that he's moving. And I think that's one of the things that you have to get. If you can understand for you young people, if you can understand that early, you're going to be so much off better. Sometimes God is already moving in what you've asked him to. You just have to shift the focus to see God, to see how he's moving. If you just lost a job situation, if you lost um, uh, uh, somebody in your family, you have to know that God is still at work. That where the word of God says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I know the Lord has been speaking to you. Some of us have had the wrong focus. And that's okay because we've all been there. Maybe you thought God was something that you could just call on and things happen like this. In an instant, you're like, man, God, do this and it's done. God, do that and it's done. God, say this and it's done. God, I prayed for a day already. It's going to happen tomorrow. And then it doesn't happen. And then your first instinct is, why? God, I prayed for this. God, I spent four hours in prayer. Do you trust God enough to know in your heart that he's working already? Some of us just need to let the spirit of God reign in our lives. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Some of us just need to let the spirit of God open up the floodgates of heaven in our lives. He wants to set you free. If you have some brokenness, man, that is the sweetest flavor, aroma to God. He says, man, come as messed up as you are. Come as messed up as you are, God says, because I'm going to take that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to formulate a plan, and we're going to turn your life around.
And what everybody thought that was you, everybody thought that was, you know, that was your fault. And everybody thought that you messed up and you're worthless and you're not going to be able to do this and do that. And, and you'll never come back from this and all that. God steps in and says, watch what I'm going to do. But all he needs is a heart. A heart that is yielding, submissive, that surrenders to God, that says, God, I don't have it. I'm not perfect. Yeah, I've been in church for 20 years. I'm still not perfect, God. I have so many flaws, and I have some wants, and I have some needs, and I need you right now in this moment. Don't let the healer pass you by. I'll say that one more time again. Don't let the healer pass you by. When you come, you surrender to God. When you come before, you're taking that step saying, God, I don't want to leave this place without receiving a blessing from God. I don't want to receive this, leave this place without feeling the touching of your presence. Because I don't want to be so focused on what I'm going to eat after this, who I'm going to take, where I'm going to go, that I miss your presence passing by. I don't want to miss your presence. I don't want my heart to, my heart to be hard to be hard right there where you're at close your eyes close your eyes right there let's let's get in one accord let's get in unity hallelujah